couple months ago. I had no idea that it was not called clear wine. The white wine, you know, I, I always called it clear wine. And so we'd go to a restaurant on my radio tour, you know, you're going to all these cities. I went to 48 of our 50 states on radio tour going around meeting all these radio stations. And they, they would order a bottle of wine and they'd be like, what kind of wine do you want, Shane? I'd be like, just give me a bottle of your finest clear wine. And they would start laughing. The intersection of good drinks, good music, and good times. This is Hops and Spirits Bar Conversations. Joining us here on the Bar Conversations, I think we're going to have a fun time on this one. I think we, he's got a couple good stories to share, and he's making some good music as well. Let's welcome in country artist and songwriter Shane Prophet. Thank you, brother. I'm excited to, excited to hang out with you. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, you know, this is Bar Conversations. I know beforehand, you, you know, if people saw, if you're watching, he has a red solo cup, but I don't think it's what you would typically expect from him in it. No. Uh, what you drinking tonight? I am drinking, well, the ice is melted. I'm drinking ice water, water now. I, uh, I'm getting up, well, I'll tell you, I, the plan is to get up early in the morning to go try to That 4 a.m., uh, 4 a.m. alarm. Early. I'm I, I completely understand that. I've got something a little stronger because I know you're a guy that likes the some some classic country. I got a little Alan Jackson Silver Belly whiskey whiskey tonight. Now, if if you are drinking, what's your go to drink these days? Mm. I like uh, I like a little bit of. Vodka brand. I've I, I been on a vodka brand. Squeeze a little wine, go in there. Uh, but if, like, I'm home, I, well, I'll say I order that. Because uh, I never buy. And so, uh, if I'm at home, uh, like over here, I'm looking, I have a big TV hold back. I've got a bunch of big. Got peach bird dog over here. Got Woodford Serge and Maker's Park. So I've got a, got a pretty good kid over here in the cabin. I like it. When I'm feeling froggy. <laughs> but like you said, you, you got to wake up early. You know, I, I understand that. I, I got to wake up. And usually my daughter likes to wake us up uh, nice and early as well. And, and I'm guessing you, you wake up occasionally early to go hit the great outdoors. Is that if you're not on stage, is that something that's just the perfect place for you to get out there, whether it's hunting, fishing or just kind of enjoying a, a good, uh, peaceful, quiet day? Yeah. And, uh, and I, I really like the sound. I've got a new side by side, like a um, it's like a Polaris Ranger is what they call it, and uh, I just go for little rides on that. Me and my girlfriend hop on there and we just cruise around the neighborhood even. And uh, today it was a little too hot to go deer hunting, and I didn't have the right wind that I wanted, so uh, I went arrowhead hunting all day today, and I found some pretty cool little stuff. So. I just like being outside, whether I'm in a deer stand or a boat or, you know, 
looking for arrowheads or even just riding around. I just enjoy it. So you really are just a good old country boy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, like we uh, just had supper and uh, mom made salmon patties and Brussels sprouts and mac and cheese and uh, it was pretty good too. And then she had she made this thing called Watergate salad. Uh, it's got like mush. It's it's it it doesn't look very good, but it, it's really good. It's got like uh, marshmallows and pecans and uh, pistachios and it's pineapple. It's got pineapple in it. I don't know how it's green, but it's good. It's real good. Hey, not, nothing wrong with that. And, and, you know, it, it's, it's fun to hear, hear you talk about things. And I, I'm curious too, is it really true that you got like your first kind of real guitar like five years ago? And that's kind of when this all started for you? Yeah, I was a, uh, let me think here. I was a senior in high school, so yeah, it's been right at right at five years now, I guess. Um, my granddad asked me what I wanted for Christmas, and I told him I wanted to learn how to play guitar. And so he taught me G, C, and D on the guitar. That's the first three chords everybody needs to learn. And uh, once you learn G, C, and D, you can pretty much play all Hank Jr. and Merle Haggard and Conway songs. So the first song I learned was Whiskey Bent and Hellbound by Hank Jr. And uh, ever since then, man, I just I stuck with it. I started playing Travis Tritt. And I'd say probably about six months after I first picked one up, uh, I was my, I had my first ever like paying gig at a, at a little Cajun restaurant down the road here. They were having a grand opening for their Cajun restaurant, first night open. And they asked me to come in and play live music for two hours and I only knew like six songs fully and so six songs is not gonna last two hours and so I would play the six songs and then I would just start from scratch I'd go eat me a couple crawfish and then come back and start from scratch and I'd play the same six songs again and then I did that four or five times and it lasted two hours I made it last two hours and they paid me a hundred dollar bill and all I could eat crawfish that night. So, hey, that's not a bad first gig. And was it true that you also wanted to learn the guitar? Because at family gatherings, basically, you had to bring a side dish and an instrument. Is that kind of how it all worked too? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, like at our Thanksgiving, our Christmas, our Easter, everything. All my family's from Eastern Kentucky. Now we live in we live in Columbia, Tennessee now. But anytime we have a family gathering or, you know, any kind of family function, everybody brings a couple dishes, whether it be a pie or a casserole or whatever. So you'll have your casserole in one hand and a guitar case in the other. And everybody just gathers around after we get done eating. And like my granddad, he plays a, he plays a Martin guitar and my dad plays banjo. My mom plays bass, cousins and stuff play mandolin and fiddle and, it's just, it's a lot of fun. You know, I, I got tired of being the one, don't get me wrong, I still get the extra piece of pie, but back then I would get the extra piece of pie and just watch everybody play. But now it seems like I'm kind of in the middle of that, middle of that circle now. So that's really cool. And, uh, you know, at, you just get to see every, cause I'm not home very much now. And when you get to see everybody and, you know, they're like, hey, play that one song I saw you play on that stage that night. 
So, you know, you, you just pull out that guitar and, uh, you know, I, 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 I really like testing out my, my new songs on, on family because they're not afraid to be honest with you. And so, uh, anytime I write a new song, there'll be three or four nights a week. I come home. I'm like, I tell my mom and dad, Hey, y'all go in the kitchen where that big Bluetooth speaker is. I got a new song to play for you. So we, they all come in here and we listen to it together and, Mom will sit there and study on it for a second and be like, Shane, I really like that, but I don't like this part. Or, you know, she'll, she'll kind of nitpick it for me and tell me what I need to change uh, occasionally. So it's really cool. I was going to say, it's nice to have true constructive criticism from family and friends. Now, I will say, I thought you played a mean wine glass in that one video. So, I mean, it wasn't like you couldn't hop in and play every now and then. Right. Hey, funny thing about that wine. So up until I had a record deal, I'd never tried wine before in my life, ever. My grandma was a big wine drinker. I do remember that, um, but I never, I never tried it or anything like that, and never tried champagne or anything you know fancy like that. It was always if I was drinking, I was probably going to drink a Bush Light. Uh, that's about as fancy as it got around here. Um, and, you know, I would watch dad occasionally pull out a mason jar of moonshine he got from a buddy or something like that. And, uh, yeah, up until I had a record deal, I'd never tried wine or anything high end, you know? And so whenever I got my record deal up until literally just a couple months ago, I had no idea that it was not called clear wine, the white wine you know I, I always called it clear wine and so we'd go to a restaurant on my radio tour you know you're going to all these cities I went to 48 of our 50 states on radio tour going around meeting all these radio stations and they they would order a bottle of wine and they'd be like what kind of wine do you want Shane I'd be like just give me a bottle of your finest clear wine and they would start laughing and I never knew what they were laughing about up until a couple months ago and, and see now, now you're you're probably an aficionado, sommelier. You can probably tell tell everything about wine now, right? <laughs> well, I know I know what the with the uh, I think it's called yeah red wine. With the red wine, you can like spin it in the glass and watch the arms or whatever of it, and uh, <laughs> you can act like you know what you know you know know what you're doing. But the truth is, I mean, I'll smell of it and look at the waiter and smell of it spinning around the glass and be like that's just fine and you know pour me a glass of it please <laughs> hey i i am the same way with whiskey even though i do this show and review so i, I understand what where you're coming coming from on that and you know you talk about growing up in in, in tennessee and eastern you know family in eastern kentucky what impact did that have on on you and your your life and music and everything well so I would say, I would say impact wise, definitely without my family, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today. I'm a firm believer that there's a difference in a house and a home. And my parents definitely brought me up in a, in a home instead of a house. And I mean, I could tell my parents I wanted to be an astronaut and they'd watch the spaceship take off tomorrow, you know? So that's, that's, that's a huge blessing in itself. But all of my family, they kind of, they kind of revolve around bluegrass music. And whenever I started playing country, I, I won't ever forget, uh, my granddad came to a show 
and uh, he heard me play Better Off Fishing, I think it was. And in that song, in the chorus, it goes far away from the missing and the bitching. Honestly, baby, I'm better off fishing. My granddad came backstage after the show, and he looked at me. He's a real church-going man. He came and looked at me after the show, and he said, Shane, that was a really, really good time, but I just feel like you need to watch your mouth. I was like, okay. So anytime I know my granddad's out in the crowd now, I try not to use any kind of profanity. I'll, I'll, I'll do far away from the missing and the wishing. Or I'll make something up on the fly instead of cussing around him. So uh, it's <laughs> my my whole family. They're uh, they're a big church going church going uh, family, and I am too. But uh, you know, I I'd never even thought about that. You know, I don't think my mom had ever heard me cuss before until I picked up a guitar, and I I think the first song she heard me do was "Kiss My Country Ass" by Blake Shelton, and her jaw dropped and her eyes got wide and I was like, I'm sorry, mama, you know, I'm trying to make money. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I mean, my, my family, they're, they're really, really great. And, uh, music, music has been a, a huge role in, in all of our lives. Um, uh, I remember growing up, we'd go to church and mom, I remember watching mom be up in the choir and everything. And she would always smack my arm if I wasn't actually singing the hymns you know, out in the, out in the church pew, she'd smack my arm and be like, boy, you better sing. So, uh, now that, now that it's my everyday job and what I get to do for a living, uh, it's, it, it's, I, I can see how proud they are. Like they came, they came to a show I had, uh, two days ago in Arkansas. And I remember I'd look out in the crowd and I'd see mom and dad both wiping the tears away. So, um, I know they're really proud. It's, it's, it's it's really humbling getting to uh, kind of show them everything that they've taught me through the years and, and get to live my life through that music and uh, just kind of see their reaction coming up from it. Well, I was going to say, you, you even brought them up on stage a, a, a few times. What's it like to be able to just share that with them and have them up there to see what you're seeing and also, like you said, to have them in the crowd and, and kind of just be there with you? Yeah, so... I think the first time I probably did that, uh, we were at Gulf Coast Jam in Panama City, and my mom, she loves the beach. She could just sit there all day on, on the beach shore and watch the waves roll in. She ain't even got to get in the water. And uh, so we made like a little vacation out of that, and uh, we went down, I think, a day or two before the show, and uh, we uh, we stayed a day or two late after the concert, and just got to hang out and everything, and so it was super laid back backstage and uh, I got to bring my parents and everybody and towards the end of the show, I mean, this crowd, it was 35,000 people, I think is what they said it was. And uh, just getting to see 35,000 people sing a song back to me that I wrote and that's on radio and has got inside the top 15 at country radio and bring my parents out on stage and just letting them watch what what I get to see every night, it was it was just unbelievable. Uh, that's a night I won't ever forget, and I don't think they will either. And you, and you mentioned you know growing up in a family that loved music. Was there ever a chance that you know you thought this was going to be the path you went down? I mean, obviously you didn't pick up a guitar until like 
you know, senior year of high school and things like that. But, I mean, was this ever a thought like, hey, that could be a good career? You know, I never I never actually thought that I would get to make a living out of going around and singing my songs for people just like me. Uh, here's the thing. I'm no different than nobody else that listens to my music. I'm just super, super blessed at the position I've been in in my life where I get to do that. Uh, and I remember mom would always tell me um, whenever I'd go over to my grandma's house, uh, she had a little four-pronged cane that would stand up. I was probably three or four years old at the time. And uh, I would go up. And that movie, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Have you ever seen that? That had just came out. And I just wanted to watch that movie over and over and over again. And I would go up to that to that little four-pronged cane that she had, and it was just mouth height to me because, I mean, I was like four years old. I'd grab that cane, and I'd start singing Man of Constant Sorrow in that cane. And my grandma thought that was the funniest thing in the world. And, uh, I mean, I always enjoyed music, but I never really thought I'd get to make a living out of it. Uh, absolutely not. I just – Quite honestly, I never gave it a thought. Uh, I knew that I hated uh, mowing ditches, and that's what I did for a living up until I got my record deal. I was the guy that cut the grass in the meetings of the road, but I never in a million years thought I'd get to do this for a living. Never. Well, and, and like you said, while you were getting into your career, you were working full-time for your hometown city, playing gigs in the evening, weekends. I mean, how tough was it to do that because I mean I feel like you had to be exhausted all the time yeah I was I was I was very exhausted but uh, not in the summer hours when you work for the city or at least here uh, you would go in at 6 30 and get off at 2 30 so I would get off at 2 30 and I would be messaging people on Instagram because 90 percent of the songwriters in Nashville they have songwriter in their bio on their Instagram so I would just start messaging random people, be like, "Hey, I don't get off work till two thirty, but I have I have these really cool ideas. If, if you know, if you get done writing today, or if you have a write today, and if you decide you want to write afterwards, I would I would love to. I'll drive up and and uh, come to Nashville after I get off work. Most of the time, people wouldn't do it, but sometimes they would. And uh, I met this guy named McCoy Moore. He uh, he lives in Nashville now. I was at Bass Pro Shops um, whenever I met him. He was there with a guy named Bryce Malden and uh, got to talking to him about this gun that I was looking at through the through the little glass there at Bass Pro. And I asked him where he was from, and he said, I'm from Florida, but I'm thinking about moving here and uh, being a songwriter full-time. Sure enough, we exchanged information. Fast forward about a year later, me and him are writing together and we wrote my first ever song together and we still write together to this day. Matter of fact, he, uh, he has a song, uh, that we wrote together with another buddy of ours, Sean Clayton. That'll be on my, that'll be on my full, uh, full record when that comes out. So I, I like how moments just seem to happen for you. And I think one of the favorite things that I have read is the moment of the sushi place and, uh, <laughs> meeting Chris Jansen yeah. is how is that all true and how did that go for you that night <laughs> yeah that's that's a hundred true um, 
so I was, this was when I was working for the city, of course, and uh, nowhere in my little hometown here at Columbia sells guitar strings. So anytime I need anything to do with music, I have to drive 45 minutes north towards Nashville to Franklin, Tennessee. And uh, I was trying to be slick and kill two birds with one stone and make a date out of going to get guitar strings with this girl. And I called her up and asked her if she wanted to ride with me, and she agreed to it. So we made that 40, 45-minute ride up to Franklin. And we get to Guitar Center. I go in. I get my guitar strings. I come back out and hop in the truck and ask her what she wanted to eat. And she thought for a second. She goes, you know, Shane, I really like sushi. And I'm like, oh, gosh, please, no. I mean, the thought of sushi just turns my stomach. And so I wasn't going to be like, can we please just go to McDonald's or KFC or something, anything other than that garbage? So I wasn't going to say that. So I punched in sushi near me on my iPhone, kind of hoping that it would be like way out of the way, but there was one right down the road. And I was like, well, we'll go here. So we went to that closest sushi restaurant to that guitar center. And we go to walk in and Chris Jansen of all people holds the door for me where we went to walk in. And I'd been to seven concerts my whole life, and to see him was five of those seven. So I immediately knew who it was. And uh, I, I didn't say anything at first. I just kind of looked at him, and he kind of put his head down, you know. I, I think he knew I knew who he was. And so I didn't say nothing. I didn't want to disturb him or anything. So we go, and we eat. And, uh, well, she eats. I took one bite of a spicy tuna roll and spit it out in the napkin. I hated it. And so I had it in my mind that whenever I saw Chris to get up to go pay, it was one of those restaurants where they bring you your ticket before you get done eating. They're just like, hey, whenever you're ready, just come up to the cash register to pay. So it was one of them restaurants. So I had it in my mind that I would go on and ask for the ticket. And whenever I saw Chris and his family get up to go leave and pay, that I would go up to him and tell him that I was a songwriter and that it would mean the world to me if he would listen to some of the music I'd been writing. Well, this girl that I'm with is about halfway done eating, and I see Chris stand up, and I grab our ticket, and I start marching myself across that restaurant floor, going straight to that cash register, and he sits right back down in his booth. He was letting his little boy out to go to the bathroom, and I jumped the gun a little early, and so... I'm like in the middle of this restaurant, like, oh, hell, what do I do now, you know? So I look at the girl, and she's like, well, you're halfway committed at this point. You might as well go up to him. So I did, and uh, I walked up to his table, and I kind of kneeled down beside him. And I said, hey, I said, uh, I'm a huge fan. I know who you are, and I'm not trying to make this obvious at all, but I'm a songwriter, too, and it would really just mean a lot to me if you were listen to some of the music I'd been writing. And his wife was sitting right beside him. She spoke up. She said, hey, I'm Kelly. I'm Chris's wife. I'm his manager, and I'm also a music publisher. Is that a receipt you're holding in your hand? I write my email down on it, and you could send us some songs, and have a word, we'll listen to them. And I was like, yes, ma'am, that'd be great. Thank you. And Chris looked up at me, and he said, Did you just say yes, ma'am? And I said, yes, sir. And he said, I like that a lot. Pull up a chair and talk to me. So I did. The girl I was with goes back, finished eating her sushi roll. She didn't really care. And so 
I pulled up a chair and we sat there and we talked about hunting and fishing and God and music and writing songs and anything you could imagine we talked about. It. And uh, so I, I got up and thanked them for talking with me and everything. And I went and paid and got out to the truck. And as soon as I got out to the truck, I pulled that receipt out that she had wrote her email down on. And I sent three of the best songs I thought I had at the time. I, I forwarded them to that email and one email. And at the bottom, I said, if y'all ever need anything, please give me a call. And I wrote my phone number down and I pressed send. Fast forward two weeks later, I'm at work. I'm weed eating the ditch in the median of the road. And I feel my phone ringing in my pocket. I pull it out of my pocket and I look at the caller ID and it said Jansen. And I just kind of smirked. I swapped over on it and I answered it. And uh, I said, hello. He said, hey, Shane. I said, hey, what's up? He said, what are you doing this morning? I said, well, uh, it's a Wednesday morning at 8.30. Like most people, I'm at work. You know, what are you doing? And he goes, well, he said, I listened to those songs you sent. He said, uh, you're a really nice guy. And he said, I want you to go put your two-week notice in at work and come out on tour with me. So I did, and that's literally how it started. I mean, was there ever a moment when, you know, she gave you the, the email and all that, that you're like, I will never hear a word from them. You know, this isn't going to work. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It, it's, I mean, even to this day, like, I'll just be sitting here thinking about everything that's kind of happened in the last year, year and a half, and I'm like, there's no way this has actually happened. Like, there's no way. I mean, it's a Cinderella story. And heck yeah, whenever she handed me that email, I was like, this is probably a fake email, you know. They won't ever even see these songs. Well, sure enough, they did. And I mean, it's just, it's crazy to even think that, you know, somebody at that level would even give some a city worker making $11 an hour a time a day, you know. And, and did you really put in your two-week notice right then and there, or were you like, let me wait and see? No, I put it in today. I put it in that day. <laughs> I hated my job. <laughs> now, my parents, however, they were like, Shane, you need to think about this. You you really, really need to think about this. And I was like, man, I'm, I'm 21 years old. What have I got to lose? You know, I'm making $11 an hour. I could go to McDonald's down the road and make more money than I'm making here. You know, I'm not really worried about it. The biggest thing the biggest that my that my dad was worried about was the benefits. He was like, Shane, you know, you won't have benefits nowhere else like this. Like, yeah, I mean, I guess you're right, but I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. <laughs> It seems to be a, a good call that you made there. And, and what was it like to be able to go out on tour and get do the do songwriting and do, do so much of that and kind of see what it was like to live this life and kind of be part of it all? Yeah, so he actually, uh, he was gracious enough to let me and the other uh, opener, the direct support, Ray Fulcher, uh, it was a halfway to crazy tour. So I was first of three. Ray was direct support. And, you know, Chris was headlining, obviously. And, uh, he was nice enough to let me and Ray both 
actually ride that bus with uh, with his crew. And so we got to ride. We didn't have to spend any money on travel or anything like that. And, uh, man, that's, that's an experience I'll never forget. Uh, I remember, you know, Chris would call me uh, at 8.30 in the morning, and I'd still be, you know, asleep because you don't go to bed until like 3 or 4 a.m. most of the time. And he'd call me at 8.30, uh, and he'd be like, hey, what are you doing? I'm like, uh, I just woke up, man. What are you doing? And he's like, well, I just got done deer hunting. I just killed a deer. You know, I wish you were here to help me drag it out. And he'd be like, what, where are y'all at right now? Where's the bus at? And I'd, I'd tell him, we're in Iowa or wherever we are. And he's like, let me see outside. And so I'd go open up a window and show him outside. He'd be like, are you still liking it? And I'm like, yes, sir, I'm loving it. So uh, it that that in itself, uh, that's an experience I'll never forget. Because, I mean, up until I got my record deal, well, up until I went out on that tour, really, I'd only ever been to four states my whole life. It was Tennessee, Alabama, Kentucky, and Florida. And I'd never been anywhere else, really. And... Uh, I mean, now I've been to 48 of the 50 states. I've been to Canada. Uh, uh, I mean, it's just, it's a blessing. It really is. I never thought I'd get to see everywhere that I've seen. And I'm I'm a firm believer now that you don't realize what you're missing out on until you've seen what you're missing out on. And I've got to see, you know, Niagara Falls. I've got to see Mexico. I've got to see Canada. I've got to see, I mean, I, it's just unbelievable. Like three days ago, I was in California. I was I was looking at the ocean in California, and I, I remember, I mean, on radio tour, uh, the first time I ever went to California, I had one of the best times of my life. I got to go to In-N-Out Burger. I got it was this uh, town. Clean, Clint Eastwood used to be the mayor of this town, and it's called uh, I think it's Carmel, California. And it's like one of the hottest towns in California. And uh, you'd look out and there would be rivers flowing into the ocean right there. And over to the left, there's these huge mountains. And it's just, it, it's amazing. It, it really is amazing. British Columbia, uh, Canada was one of the prettiest places I've ever been in in my life. Uh, I'm hoping to make a, a trip up there with, with some friends uh, next, next summer to British Columbia. And, and it's cool when you get to experience so many things. And it, do you just pinch yourself all the time? Like, is this real? Am I dreaming? Uh, well, quite honestly, if I am dreaming, I don't want to wake up. <laughs> so I don't really pinch myself anymore. But uh, no, I mean, seriously, it's just there's a lot of times I'll have to wake up at, you know, 2.30, 3.30 in the morning to catch a, a 4 a.m. flight. And when that alarm clock goes off, you've only been laying there an hour and a half or two hours. So it's pretty much like a, a, a souped up nap is all that it is. And you're, you're laying there and you're like, damn, this sucks. And then you lay there a little bit longer and you're like, no, it doesn't. We're going to play a show tonight for a sold out crowd. This is awesome. So, uh, you know, it, anytime, anytime I'm tired or anything like that, I just, I just give it a split second and I'm just like, this is not bad at all. I'm not getting up this morning and punching a clock. I was going to say, you're not in the ditch anymore. You're, you're having a good time. And how much fun was it to uh, play the Opry? And not just once, but, you know, get to go back and do it again. Oh, man. I, so I've played the Opry now. Um, 
three times the Grand Ole Opry. And uh, I actually get to play there next week too. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, the, uh, the day of the 11th. So when this, when this comes out, uh, I'm, I'm going to be playing the Opry that night. So, uh, and I mean, it's just to stand in that circle where everybody that's paved the way for country music has stood. I mean, that's just a feeling like you can't even put it into words. Um, every time I, I even go, even with like, because Chris invited me to go several times with him, and, uh, just to share that experience. I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable. My mom, she's a huge, huge country fan fanatic. And, uh, she would walk around. And I'm like, Mom, Mom, you can't be walking around back here. You know, she, she'd be peeking in everybody's dressing rooms and just kind of creeping on everybody. And uh, it's funny. It's funny. She she was walking around with my newborn uh, nephew, her grandbaby. My sister just had a baby. She was walking around with that little newborn baby, hoping everybody out in the halls would stop and be like, oh, you know, and sure enough, it worked. I mean, Daly and Vincent came up and talked to her and, Hell, I mean, there was there everybody you could imagine stopping and was like, "This is the cutest little baby." So it worked, but I mean, I'm just like, "Mom, please don't, please." We're at the Grand Ole Opry, you know. So it's it's right funny. I was gonna say, parents they tend to embarrass us no matter how old we are, no matter where where we are, and you know. But it, it's it's a cool moment that you get to share share with her, and you know, you also do this music thing as as well that you know you get to do all these fun things about one of your latest songs still picks up. Uh, that's a pretty personal song for you that you wrote. Oh yeah. Uh, still picks up, man. I, I was on a hunting, on a deer hunting trip in Eastern Kentucky with my dad. We try to take a hunting trip at least once a year. And uh, we have a family farm up in, up in Kentucky in Eastern Kentucky. And he, uh, he had a, he had a stroke on a mountainside one morning and uh, man, I, it, it really freaked me out. I, I climbed down from my tree stand. We were supposed to be sitting all day and about lunchtime, I saw him walking down this old logging road. And, uh, it took him probably 20 minutes to walk this 50 yard stretch. And uh, I knew something was wrong then. I mean, he was stumbling all over the place and, so I started climbing down from my tree stand and I got down and I looked up at him. I said, are you okay? And whenever he looked up at me, the whole left side of his face was not moving. And, uh, I knew right then it was probably either a stroke or a heart attack. And so, I mean, we were an hour, uh, from the hospital at least. And I mean, we were at least a mile from the four wheeler, um, and I mean, it was just straight up and down, just like that. And I didn't know how I was going to get him out. Honestly, I had no cell phone service, or I'd have called a number one to get a helicopter and to get him out. I mean, that's how steep it was. And uh, I mean, I I put my bow down and I went to try to throw him over my shoulder, you know. And uh, he was like, "Shane, put me down. You're going to get us both hurt." So I put him down and I just walked him out, just holding him up. Uh, the best I could uh, until we got to the four wheeler. Felt like it took forever, um, 
and got into the four-wheeler and we hopped on the four-wheeler and got him to the truck and put him in the truck and uh, finally got into cell phone service and I called I called 911, called the hospital and uh, it was just a little bitty, little bitty uh, regional hospital and uh, called ahead and they were expecting him. They were standing out there with a wheelchair when we pulled up and um, I remember sitting in that waiting room, not really, not really knowing, you know, if I was going to get to see him again. I didn't know if he would have another one or I was just really freaked out. And uh, in that moment, I just started to think on the, on all the good times we had instead of the bad. And I couldn't help but think of maybe some past arguments or past fights that we'd been in. And uh, I just tried to think on the good instead of the bad in that moment. And, uh, it when, when we wrote the song, it had been like, I think it was the two or three year anniversary of his stroke. Thank the Lord. He's about 99% to back how he was beforehand now. Um, but I mean, anytime I, I play that song in front of him or my mom, it, they just sob. Uh, and quite honestly, when we were sitting there writing the song, I was crying like a baby uh, writing it. So uh, it's a really special song to me. Well, I was going to say, I feel like your songs have a personal touch to them. They're, they're definitely painting the story. They're, they're, they're talking about things that you see in life. And what's it like to share personal experiences? Or is that kind of your the goal when you go in is share things that have happened to you or things like that? Or is it an idea? What's, how does that go for you? And I'm just, my thing is, is I'm very proud to say before I'm an artist, I'm a songwriter. And uh, I, I like to write real, real, you know, real stuff. I don't want to go out every night and sing about something that I have no idea about. Uh, you know, even if it is catchy, if, if the meaning and the, and the lyrics aren't there, I, chances are I probably don't want to sing it. Um, so I, I try to, chances are if you're going through something, somebody that's going to listen to your music is too. And that's probably why they're going to listen to the, to your music. And, you know, I don't have, I don't have number ones yet. Hopefully someday I will. Um, but I, I'm, I'm a firm believer that if you, if you write what you're feeling, somebody else is feeling it too. And somebody else is going through it too. And, uh, I, I like to, I'm, I'm not really one to talk about my feelings necessarily, so I, I try to lean on songwriting to express myself, if that makes sense, and kind of kind of use it as a therapy because uh, I'm not I'm not really one to sit down with somebody and talk about my feelings. Uh, I, I would much rather get a pen and paper and a guitar and and talk about it that way. You, you just prefer to share with thirty five thousand people in front of you. <laughs> You're right. Exactly right. <laughs> And then, too, you, you work in stuff, like you said, that is, is true to you. I know you've worked in Mama's Chicken, you know, everything like that. How much fun is it to kind of weave those little things in there for, for folks? And it's a lot of fun. Uh, like I said, I mean, there's a, there's a huge difference in a house and a home. And, uh, my mama and, and dad both, they felt that it was really important the whole time growing up. 
that me and my sister and them, we sat down every night at the supper table and we don't get your phone out. Don't, don't, you know, dismiss yourself before everybody's done eating. We're going to sit there like a family and we're going to have supper just like a normal family. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the Waltons, but they always sit down. It's pretty much the same concept as like Duck Dynasty. At the end, at the end of every episode, they sit down at the supper table, they pray and, uh, they're like, hey, pass me them taters, you know. So uh, <laughs> it's the same concept. Uh, and I, I feel like if everybody in today's world had a little bit more of that family life and a little less video games, that this world wouldn't be so crazy. So that's just how I feel. Well, like you said, it's it's very relatable. I mean, I think in, in your songs and everything, people can see themselves, and that's what's so cool. And like you said, you, you've been able to share those out now. And how much fun is it being on stage these days? You're not playing the same six songs that you you know you're playing your songs, and people are even singing them back to you. Yeah, that, that in itself, uh, it's it's unbelievable. Like in in the set that I'm doing right now, and heck, I mean, I'll I'll have a set list for most shows, but 99% of the time I veer off of the set list. I'll I'll whip out a new song that. I wrote that day or, you know, a couple of days prior, my band's standing there going, what the hell is this, you know? And, uh, I mean, like the other night I played one uh, that I'd only ever played for two other crowds. And I, I just kind of get a feel of what the what the crowd is feeling. And Hell, I mean, if, if they want to slow dance, I'll throw in a Keith Whitley song even sometimes. And it's just, it, it, it's a lot of fun. And, Getting to go around and sing my songs, uh, my songs especially, it's it's just like, man, I don't deserve this. I, I mean, like I said, it's I never dreamed of, never even dreamed of doing something like this for a living. And getting to hear people sing my song back to me, and even hearing it, hearing my stuff on the radio, I mean, that still gives me chills every single time. So it's it's a huge blessing. Well, and, and he kind of teased this earlier too. You know, you've got some, you know, still picks up as your, your latest one that you put out. What's coming the rest of 2023? What you looking forward to 2024 that you can tell me that won't get you in trouble with anybody? <laughs> uh, well, I'll say this. I know, uh, I know we have a full album already recorded. However, I talked management and the label into letting me go in because I'm constantly writing songs. So I've talked the label and management into letting me go back in here in a couple months, probably a month or two realistically, and and do I think we're gonna end up doing three more songs to add to that project. Uh, not to say, you know I not to say that uh a full album will be the next thing that we release, but there is definitely more music uh, getting cut and getting sang in the studio here very, very soon. So I'm very excited for that. I like it. I like it. And I'm guessing more shows, more getting out there in front of folks this year, next year. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, we're, uh, I can't really say uh, necessarily who, 
who or what is in the works for next year, but something is, I'll say that. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to be a lot of places, to say the least. And, uh, yeah, I mean, for the rest of the year, I think we have – I think I have about a dozen more uh, shows, and then it's hunting season. And uh, hunting season and writing songs. So, uh, the you know, the, the year is starting to wind down a little bit. Like the month of uh, the month of July, we were on the road for twenty-seven or thirty-one days, and I mean it was just crazy. Uh, I think I think this year, once we once we wrap up these last twelve or thirteen shows, I think we're going to be just at or just over two hundred shows for this year. So we've been we've been moving. We have been moving, uh, and we played some really big shows too. Just stuff that I never, like I said, I never thought I'd get to do, and it's 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 been the best year of my life, honestly. And hopefully, it just keeps going up from here. Well, like I said, I, I love your music. I, the story is awesome, and and Shane, <clears throat> you, you got a bright future because, like I said, man, man, things are you're doing good things and doing it the right way. And I appreciate you sharing a drink with me, and and this was a blast, man. It was, man. Thank you so much for having. Find more from Hops and Spirits at hopspirits.com. Thanks, everybody. Bye.